This is New Bedford's News Talk Station, the place where the South Coast comes to talk about all the hottest issues locally and beyond. This is WBSM. Call in to have your voice heard at 508-996-0500. Or open up the WBSM app and hit app chat to text us. Or open line to leave us a voicemail. Let's hear it, South Coast. Hour number two of the program here on Friday and the last day of the month of June. So tomorrow, July, the seventh month of the year, the first full month of summer, the beginning for a lot of people of 4th of July weekend, not us. We'll be here with you on Monday. We'll take Tuesday off for the holiday and then we'll be back with you on Wednesday. So we'll have some uh, some syndicated programming for you on Tuesday so that everybody can have a day off and enjoy Independence Day. But uh, also, you know, we know that you want to have something on WBSM, so we'll have great programming for you. It'll just be syndicated programming. Now, when I was a kid, I don't know if you were the same way, but when I was a kid, the 4th of July made me a little bit nervous because it's, it's I, sh- I shouldn't say, maybe just a little bit unsettled because it's the only real holiday in your summer break from school. And it always had a, a, a sense of it's all downhill from here. <laughs> like, and it's only how many weeks now until we're back in school. And this, when you're young, the summers seem like they last forever. But when you start to get you know into middle school and high school, you realize just how quickly they fly by. And so to me, it was always you got out of school in late June. It was, I don't remember getting out as late as kids do now, even though we did the same 180 days, but whatever. And we, I also remember us starting later, but I don't know. It probably all worked out in the end. But it was, you get out of school and the summer has so much promise ahead of it. Then the 4th of July comes and you say, oh, I forgot how short it actually is. But it to me, it was always, you know, that double-edged sword. And we would, we would always, as I've mentioned this before, we'd always do the 3rd of July at my grandmother's house for the Randolph Parade. Then we would do the Brockton Fair right afterwards. On the 4th of July, sometimes we'd go into Boston to watch the fireworks or we'd go to Plymouth and watch the fireworks or later on go to Onset and watch the fireworks. And then we'd go back to the Brockton Fair maybe one or two more times before it ended its run. But... No more Brockton Fair. They didn't have it last year. Uh, I remember actually last year we broke the story that they weren't having it because they had leased off part of the land so they, they couldn't have it. And the summer just felt, even though I hadn't been to the Brockton Fair in a number of years at that point, the summer just feels incomplete the last couple of years because they haven't had it. And now they'll, they'll never have it again. They're, they're breaking up the land. They're leasing off parts of that land. It'll, it'll never happen again. Even if they brought in like some kind of carnival on the land that's still there, it's not the same. The Brockton Fair was the, the highlight of the summer for me, unless we took a summer vacation. If we went down to 
maybe Washington, D.C. to visit my aunt or went to Six Flags in New Jersey. But otherwise, the Brockton Fair was the summer event. Going to see my uncle and my and then my cousins in the Demolition Derby. Going to see the fireworks every night that they had them. Playing the games that you know were rigged. But my uncle taught me how to beat some of them. Doesn't mean I can do it, but he just taught me the strategy. So that's going to be like the big thing that I miss. Even though, again, I hadn't been there in years. But it was always comforting to know that I could go if I wanted to. And in fact, maybe this year for nostalgia's sake, maybe I'll go to the to the Marshfield Fair. I've actually never been to the Barnstable County Fair, even though I lived on the Cape for a couple of years. My family would go, but I, I was already, you know, out and dating by the time that they would all go. And, and I, you know, my girlfriend who became my wife never wanted to go to the Barnstable County Fair for whatever reason. So we never did. So maybe maybe I'll go to Marshfield. I, the last time I went to Marshfield, I believe my son was seven. So that was 12 years ago. Because I remember he won the 50-yard dash or something that they were doing with kids, and he, he got a ribbon, blue ribbon, but or a medal. I don't know why I haven't been, but, but maybe, maybe I'll go. But I'm, I'm going to miss the Brockton Fair. I was thinking about this the other day, too, because months ago I wrote an article about King's Castle Land. And if people remember King's Castle Land, it was a very small amusement park in Whitman. It was right off the side of Route 18. So if you were coming from New Bedford, you just took Route 18 down there. And it was basically built by the guy who had the toy store there. And he put the whole thing together with his own hands. And it lived on until the 80s, but then it, it shut down. And so I had written an article about it, which... You know, got some attention when it came out, but I recently noticed that people were back on the story. And the only thing I could think of was it must just be people missing what they used to do back in the summers. You know, telling their kids, oh, when I was a kid, we used to go to King's Castle. King's Castle, and what's that? And you search. And because, you know, our, we do such a great job with our stories, it'll show up in the top of your search listings. And you say, well, look, here's some photos. And here's a story that this person wrote about it. Some videos. What do, you, what do you miss the most about the summers? What's the thing that you used to love to do that's gone now? You can call me and tell me, 508-996-0500. But to me, the, the Brockton Fair is going to leave a, a hole in my heart. 1989, the summer of 1989, I must have gone to the Brockton Fair, you know, eight times out of... 14 or 15 days that it was open. And that was the year that everybody, that was the summer that Batman came out with Michael Keaton and everybody had Batman shirts on all the time. And every booth, one of the prizes was Batman shirts and they were just everywhere. They were ubiquitous. But then there was a gang that was showing up at the Brockton Fair wearing Batman shirts. And so the police put out an advisory that you can't go into the part into the fair wearing a Batman shirt. I remember having to turn my shirt inside out when I got there because I didn't know. 
and I owned like four Batman shirts that summer. But I was still there eight eight times, I think it was. Then the summer after that, we went a whole bunch of times, and then I probably took a couple years off until I drove. And then when I drove, my cousin and I would go. And I remember when my wife and I were dating and I had my 82 Trans Am, we packed as many people as we could into that Trans Am, which was five, and it was a tight fit. And we went to the Brockton Fair in that car. I don't know how we made it to Brockton and, and, and made it back to Wareham, but we did. Anyway, I'm just taking you down my memory lane, 508-996-0500 if you want to bring me down yours. So going back to the discussion about recycling, about the possible expansion of the bottle bill. As I mentioned, you know, we, we had an app chat message from Tim in New Bedford who talked about the family redemption on a Cushion Avenue in New Bedford requiring you to separate your recyclables. You have to have a bag of cans and a bag of bottles and never the twain shall meet. And you have to count them and tell them how many you have. I don't know about you. I've never counted my cans. Like not until I got to the redemption center. I just shove them all in a bag. I don't mind. I wouldn't mind separating them into separate bags. It's probably a better idea. You probably fit more in that way. But I don't think I've ever counted them. I've just looked in the shed and said, well, there's eight bags. There's probably, I don't know, at least 20 a bag. So each bag is probably a buck. So $8. That's probably more than 20 in a bag. I'm just throwing out numbers. But the effort to go through all that, I think people just don't care anymore. And so in, in Barry's article today, he talks about how the numbers are down in Massachusetts for people who recycle that they have the lowest rate of people returning empty bottles and cans among the 10 states with bottle redemption laws. So I'm just going to ask you, do you redeem your bottles and cans? Do you bring them to a redemption center and go through all that effort? Do you bring them to one of those machines like in the supermarket or in Walmart and go through all that effort of putting them in the machine yourself, do you still do it? And how much do you usually come away with when you do it? 508-996-0500. Because as I said, to me, it's not worth the time of having to feed it into one of those machines, have it reject half my bottles and cans for no good reason. Then you got to try to put it in again, and then it spits it out again. And then I remember I bought, um, what did I buy? It was some like new drink that had just come out, and I was like, "All right, I'll I'll try one of these." And I got it one can, and it had it said right on the top, you know, mass deposit five cents. When I brought it to that machine, it just spit it out every time. I tried peeling the label off, whatever it was, like everything. It wouldn't do it. Wouldn't take it. So it's like, well, I paid the five cents now and I'm not going to get that five cents back. So this is a flawed system. But I just, I don't care. And I need, I need every nickel I can get, but I just don't care. I won't put in the effort to bring those down. I'll still put them in the recycling bin. I'm not throwing them in the trash. But it's just so much easier to say, chuck them right in here. They'll still get recycled. It's still the responsible thing to do. I just don't care about the nickel. 
And if it becomes a 10 cent deposit, that's not going to make me care anymore either. If it was a quarter, maybe a quarter might make me feel differently. First of all, a quarter deposit might make me second guess buying some of these beverages. Because if, you know, I buy a 24 pack of Coke Zero that lasts me a couple of weeks. But if I have 25 cents times 12, that's 250. Looking at three bucks extra. Come on. Let's uh, let's take a call here. Good morning. You were on WBSM. Hi, Tim. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. I'm listening to your conversation about uh, returning bottles and cans. Mm -hmm. Um, I faithfully return mine. I do separate them just for convenience, like you said, the cans in one, bottles, just to be careful picking them up and stuff like that. But I do think they have made it so difficult because, as you said, you go... And you put the can in, it oftentimes rejects it, says they don't accept that brand when you know that you bought it there. Mm -hmm. Um, I swear I had an ongoing battle with one of the area package stores because at the time my son was an IPA fan and he, and I used to go in the store and buy all the different ones. Then I would go to return them and they tell me, you know, they don't accept the brand. I went so far as making a list of all the codes for them to put in the, and they said, well, you know, we don't, the stores, and I didn't know this, the stores do not run the machines. No. It's it's another company. So they're suppo- the company is supposed to input the codes of the brands that the store sells. But apparently that doesn't happen very often. <laughs> so... <laughs> So it's very frustrating because I try and do the right thing. I try and recycle, mainly on principle that if I'm paying five cents, I know it's only five cents, but I want it back. You know what I mean? No, understandable. Um, I know it's petty and I know it's not a lot of money, but, um, it, you know, I usually when I go and make a trip because I don't go every week, I, it's annoying. So I have to psych myself up to do it. I probably get, you know, up to five dollars when I go. Um, but, uh, you know, I believe in it. I think there should be recycling to keep people from toss once again, because people are lazy and toss things. If it helps clean up the trash, I'll support it, you know, but I think they need to make it more user friendly, maybe have them run, um, you know, by a more generic company with places just a refund so you can go in there and not deal with a particular store. Um, I find the grocery stores aren't that bad, you know, uh, as far as recycling. I like their machines. I have the hottest time at the package store. And there's a, it, like you said, it says five cents, but there's a fine line they explained to me on certain types of beverages don't give a refund. Right. So I've got to pay attention and make sure they don't charge me for the refund. Oh, good point, yeah, that you're not getting charged a deposit on something you can't return. Right, exactly. And from the store I bought it at, and they're like, well, these don't have a deposit. Well, I could swear that I paid a deposit. So it's a lot on you to pay attention. But otherwise, who's who's making out on that five cents? You know, probably the state, I'm guessing. Um, So, you know, just on principle, I refuse 
not to go back and get my nickel. And that's so petty, but I'm retired now, so I can do that. <laughs> yeah, if you've got if the time, I, yeah. Right. If I were working, I'd probably be frustrated and say, forget it. It's not worth it. What, 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 what did Willie, we'll paraphrase Willie Nelson, you know, they've got the money, honey, if you've got the time. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Yep. So. All right. Well, th All right. thank you, you for sharing with weekend. us and you enjoy those nickels. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. See you later. Uh, 508-996-0500. I do remember being a kid, though, and uh, my cousin and I going up and down the streets of uh, Randolph around my grandmother's neighborhood and and picking up cans and bottles. And we would take those down to, we had to go down to the supermarket, which I think we went to Shaw's. I don't know if Sudbury Farms had one, but we used to, we used to go and return the cans and get whatever change we got out of it. And then we would get on our bikes and go all, and it would be, it, even though you like put them in a trash can, you'd still be all sticky from picking them up. They had soda still in them. Sometimes you get all sticky and our sticky butts would get back on our bikes and ride all the way back from that direction from my grandmother's house, all the way back to Minahan's, the handy store, they called it. It was a little convenience store that had penny candy. And we would just go back there and get either penny candy or trading cards. We were big into trading cards. And we got whole collections of uh, different trading cards in the 80s and 90s from going to Minahan's and collecting them all. And it was a great little lucrative business for a kid that could be happy with just 75 cents. Because 75 cents bought a lot of petty candy. A lot of root beer barrels for three quarters. All right, I got to take a break. We'll be back in a few moments. Well, we have a couple of phone calls on hold, and you, we still have room for you at 508-996-0500. But I'm going to ask that you hang on because we're going to be going into the newsroom in just a moment. Also, before we do that, though, very quickly, I want to let you know that head on over to SeizeTheDeal.com because that's where you will find great deals each and every day. And right now, you can get... $30 to J-Max on the Pond for just $15. Well, we had some J-Max the other day. They brought some back when they were doing a Fun 107 broadcast over there. Great stuff at J-Max on the Pond. So you can get $30 for just $15. You can get $50 to Baco Vino and Contorni for just $25. And coming up soon, we're going to have $50 to 110 Grill in Fall River for just $25. And we are going to have $50 to Brax Grill and Tap for just $25. And if you remember a few months ago, I don't know if you were listening to my nine o'clock show, but I got the uh, one pound meatball that they have there. And oh my gosh, was it good. And it was cooked perfectly all the way through. Kristen and I split it. That's how big it was. So you can get that $50 gift certificate for just $25 and get that one pound meatball among some of the other great meals that they have over at Brax. So uh, check those out. It's at SeizeTheDeal.com. Make it your homepage so you can check it out every morning and see all the great deals we have available. SeizeTheDeal.com. All right, let's go now into the newsroom with Adam Bass. A federal judge is rejecting Donald Trump's bid to dismiss the defamation lawsuit from New York columnist E. Jean Carroll. The U.S. District Judge Lewis Kaplan made the ruling on Thursday on the first of two lawsuits that accused Trump of defamation for denying he raped her in the mid nineteen in the mid nineteen in the mid nineteen nineties. The case is separate from the last month's verdict, ordering Trump to pay Carol $5 million for defamation and sexual abuse. 
The U.S. is considering sending clusters of munitions to Ukraine. That's according to two U.S. senior officials who say the Biden administration is leaning towards sending the weapons, which Ukraine has been requesting since last year. The U.S. could announce their decision to send the munitions as early as July. Democrats are condemning the Supreme Court's ruling that affirmative action in college admissions is unconstitutional. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said the ruling puts a giant roadblock in our country's march towards racial justice. The, the Supreme Court ruled admissions policies at the University of North Carolina and Harvard University were unconstitutional. Victims are calling for a lengthy prison term for a New Jersey doctor convicted of sexually abusing numerous patients. Scott Pringle reports. Prosecutors say evidence shows Robert Haddon sexually abused dozens of his patients over two decades during medical appointments dating back to the 1990s. The Englewood, New Jersey genealogist worked at Columbia University Irving Medical Center and New York Presbyterian Hospital. On Wednesday, 11 of his victims gave emotional impact statements ahead of Haddon's sentencing next month. Hospitals where he worked reached settlements with more than 200 patients, totaling around $236 million. Scott Pringle, NBC News Radio, New York. Fake calls to 911 reporting serious crimes like bomb threats or mass shootings have been on the rise recently. To combat these issues, known as swatting, the FBI is creating a national database to track phony calls and facilitate information sharing between police departments across the country. Authorities believe there are over 1,000 domestic swatting incidents each year. A top Russian defense official says Wagner mercenary group will no longer be fighting in Ukraine. The head of the Russia's Duma Defense Committee made the announcement Thursday after mercenary leader Yevgeny Prigozhin refused to sign contracts that would bring the Wagner Group under Russia's defense ministry. The defense spokesman added that the Wagner Group will no longer receive funding from Russia. More than 100 million Americans un are under air quality alerts as smoke from wildfires in Canada continues fouling the air in the U.S., Air quality experts are out of from Wisconsin to Vermont and down to North Carolina. Conditions are expected to improve slowly into the Independence Day weekend. And a man is facing charges in Richland Center, Wisconsin, after police say he threw axes and machetes at officers while they tried to arrest him. Officers were called to investigate the man after police reported seeing him swing an axe around. Police say the suspect swung the weapons at them and even hit several cars before being tased and arrested. In sports, the Red Sox lost 2-0 against the Miami Marlins, ending their three-game series with no wins last night. They now head to Toronto for a game against the Blue Jays tonight at 7.07 p.m. And now, here's your ABC6 local weather forecast. I'm Adam Bass, WBSM News. It's currently, right now, in New Bedford, 65 degrees. I'm Adam Bass, WBSM in New Bedford. Stay up to date with New Bedford's news talk station, 1420 WBSM. And get breaking news alerts and podcasts with the WBSM app. Stream WBSM live, crystal clear, with one touch, the WBSM app. All right, welcome back in. Let's go back to the phones, 508-996-0500. You're next on WBSM. Good morning. How are you? Um, uh, I'm angry landlord, uh, and I'm, I'm awake at seven 30 and I'm angry again. Well, you don't sound um, like my I landlord, a, so it's not my fault. I don't think. Well, I, I might end up being your landlord. <laughs> soon, so just watch out. Um, I had a conversation with a counselor 
this week on improving the way things look. Um, as background, I, I showed an apartment to, or I went to show an apartment to somebody who said that the apartment was great, the building was great, I just can't get over the neighborhood. And I brought that conversation uh, to a city councilor. And, um, you know, frankly, I would be able, the whole city would be able to attract better tenants, which would then make, if the city looked better, then we would then be able to make and demand the city look better. It's like a circle. It's a vicious circle. Mm -hmm. Better tenants will demand the city look better. When the city looks better, the city will be able to get better tenants. And um, the, the councilor agreed, but, re but but basically said, you know, this this in in their mind uh, wasn't much that that could be done um, in that respect. And I hope you can see the jump, but I want to make the jump to the city's residency requirement for city employees. City residents and business owners should not be allowed to be pushed around and ruled by city employees that don't live in New Bedford. They should be required to be fully invested. These employees should be required to be fully invested in our schools, our streets, and not just be a bunch of high-paid commuters that merely come to the city for a big paycheck. In February of 2020, Councillor Lopes calculated, I have it right here, that 301 of the city's 861 employees were non-residents and were getting waivers of some sort or another. A majority of those were firefighters and police officers, but I have to say it's got to be at least half of the people who work in the mayor's office as well, as well as the city solicitor's office and any and or most of the high-paid employees that are in City Hall are not living in the city. And they're getting waivers for it. And if they were required to live here, they would demand the place look better and be taken care of better and have have it basically not just be a paycheck. It's If it's good for the goose, it's got to be good for the gander. If we have to live here, they should have to live here. I really normally don't ever agree with Linda Morad on much, but I have to say when she brought this up in, in, in I believe, 2018 as well as 2020, People interpreted it as her just being against the mayor. I disagree. I think that she was on to something. We need to get back to this topic. We need to fix this. It's the only way the city is going to get out of the spiral that it's stuck in of looking like crap and then attracting tenants that want it to look like crap. And it just goes around and around. Well, I, what it, say you? It, sound, it sounds like you live in the city personally. So you see, you see, you know that they are making efforts to be able to improve some of that. Uh, the mayor has uh, talked about. He talked about it in a state of the uh, state of the city address. They're going to be installing a system that will allow people to report things like you know streets that need to be cleaned, trash that needs to be picked up. They're working to make sure that they can have the best available trash pickup, and that they can keep it so that people don't have to leave things like mattresses out in front of their house because they can't afford to have them picked up. So they are putting in efforts to make sure that they can offer that service 
as best they can. The problem is you need people to actually stand up and be responsible for it. You need people who are willing to say, all right, I'm going to make sure this gets in the trash barrel where it belongs. I'm going to make sure that I call if I see something that's been out there for too long so that it takes an awareness campaign as well, which, which they are also launching on. So I think that those things will help. Uh, it, it's not going to be an overnight fix, but it'll certainly help with some of those things. The question I would ask is what, first of all, if you don't mind giving us a rough idea of what neighborhood it was in or what area it was in that, um, that you were looking at. And also I, what specifically that, that tenant might've felt, you know, doesn't look good in that area. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you right now. All right. So if you drive North on a Cushnet Avenue from Cogsall street to Nash road, Mm-hmm. If you did it 12 years ago, when the mayor first got into office, and you did it today, you would have to agree that it either looks just as crappy, if not crappier, and he's had 12 years to make a difference. That being said, I believe that what the gentleman saw was the state of Ashley Boulevard between Nash and Cogsall, as well as some of the more um, zombie-esque people who were standing around on a Krishnan Avenue, specifically in front of the uh, CFC uh, fried chicken. What, what, what do you mean by zombie-esque? Um, in highly intoxicated and unable to move. I mean, that hasn't really been my experience going up and down the street. I see a lot of people out there, but I wouldn't say that I see them in, in that type of a state. I guess it depends on, you know, maybe a Friday night's a little bit different than a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, this was a Monday um, at 5 or 6 o'clock that they came to, to look at the apartment. I go through that area all the time and I, I around that time, and I don't I don't see that type of thing. But so they've done a lot they've they've put in a lot of uh, programs that can help with businesses appearing uh cleaning up their facades and making them look more presentable down there the problem is they're not getting enough businesses that are taking advantage of it and part of it was we talked about this before they had a, a high match for people to be able to get involved in that program and now they're you know they've been working to reduce some of that match to make it a little bit easier so again it's going to it's going to take time but they are putting in an effort and i'm i'm not trying to sound like i'm defending you know, the, the Mitchell administration or the city as a whole, but they are trying to put in efforts. But again, you can only, you can only create programs so much. You need people that are actually willing to, to take advantage of them. Well, it, I have to say, it does sound like you're defending them. And it does sound like you've completely jumped over my entire uh, point of the residency requirement contributing, or the, the lack of the residency requirement being enforced, contributing to the neighborhood. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm against the residency requirement. I think it's ridiculous. Yet you live in New Bedford. Why, why, why do you think that people need to live in the city where they work? Why does it? Why does that have to be? No, but no other job makes them do that. No other community makes them live in their community to have a job there. Well, the police officers have to do it. Why should the city not, solicitor not have to do it? Not everywhere. There's other communities where nobody has to do this. It, it to me, telling people where they can live is a violation of their constitutional rights. You don't have a constitutional right to have a job in New Bedford. You you have the Working right to live the wherever you want to live. Well, the mayor likes to demonize, quote-unquote, absentee landlords. Yeah. Why can I not demonize, why can I not demonize absentee 
city employees. Because the absentee landlords own the property that are the problems. They directly are responsible for the pro- properties not being taken care of. The city solicitor is not responsible because somebody doesn't clean up their backyard. However, the city solicitor is responsible for going around and um, taking up cases against residents so, as well as business owners. So let, let's let's Go let's ahead. say the city solicitor moves into New Bedford, or I don't know if the solicitor does. So let, let's just say somebody in a high position moves into New Bedford, and they're going to live mm-hmm. in a neighborhood where they don't experience these problems. So them living there is not going to have any direct effect on whether or not those problems get changed. Okay, so the area that I just discussed, but you know, a question of avenue between Cogs Hall and, and um, Nash Road, is pulling down the property value of the entire city. So even if you live in the far, far north end, you still live in the city that has that downtrodden neighborhood that you have to cut through to get to downtown. If that, if, if, if these uh, people, these high-paid city employees, were required to live here, they would be invested and demanding that the worst sections of the city be improved because it would be directly affecting their own property value, their own children's education, and a whole host of other issues that would be affecting them personally. If it's good for the goose, it should be good for the gander. If it should be good for the so, for, so what you're what you're also saying of- is that that what you're also saying is that that they don't care enough about the city that is employing them, whether they live here or not, because you don't have to live here to want to care about making those things better. I, I think that just to use an example of the city, high-paid city employees, they would be joining the boards. They would be going to the community meetings as city residents, not as city employees, and demanding improvement. Instead, they don't don't participate here. They don't participate here. They live in places like Southeastern. And they go to those community meetings, and they they demand that Southeastern's uh, uh, schools improve and and be better. They go to Southeastern's school committee meetings. So maybe maybe the problem here is that more landlords in that area should be more like you and, and have buildings that are, you know, considered good buildings and, and good apartments inside of them. Maybe that's the problem. It's not whether or not the city solicitor or other people in city government live there. It's whether or not those landlords care enough to keep up with those with those properties. That's the problem. Well, the problem is also that I have a hard time getting good tenants. I've never had a city employee as a tenant because frankly most of the good tenant most of the good paid city employee tenants or potential tenants have the ability to get a waiver and not live in the city there literally are three just to use the 2020 um um a number that uh, councillor Loeb's used there are literally 301 potential property owners or potential tenants that are not living in the city that that could be, and it would improve. I can't see how you can say that not having these 301 city employees living in the city would not improve the city. Because there's 301 families that need to have those apartments and and homes anyway. We have a housing crisis. I don't want to force people to live here if they can and want to live somewhere else when we don't have enough housing for the people who live in the city. I disagree. All right. Well, thank you for the call and a good debate. We'll we'll definitely do it again sometime. Look forward to it. Have a good day.
And I do have to take a break, but we can take more of your calls, 508-996-0500. But we'll be back in a few moments. Are you looking for a delicious lunch or dinner today? I can't recommend enough going down to Alianza Restaurant in the south end of New Bedford, 98 Cove Street. Today, of course, it's Friday. That means that their daily special is octopus. They have some of the best octopus you've ever had. I love it down there. I think I prefer, you know, when when I get octopus, I, I don't really like to have other things with it. You know, I like just the dish, the octopus dish itself. I'm not going to get dessert or any of that stuff. I'm just going to enjoy that and dive right into that. But it's hard to resist getting some of the great appetizers and the great desserts that they have at Alianza because everything is so good. So head on by and check them out. Of course, they have so many of your Portuguese favorites. They always have a unique twist on how they prepare them as well. So you will find not only all of your favorites, but you will find a, a fresh take on your favorites as well. Go down there, try something. Let me know what you think so that I can go down and try it because, uh, you know, I just, I go on Fridays and get the, the octopus all the time. I've got to start going on some other days and get some of their other specials. They had dragon fire tips on Wednesday and I missed it. Tomorrow, the special is pork chops. So many great options. And of course, don't forget their lunch deal as well, where you can get a sandwich and fries for six bucks, a variety of different fries, uh, sandwiches that you can choose from. Where else can you get a sandwich and fries for six bucks anymore for lunch? They'll package it all up, have it ready for you, and you can take it on the go and eat it at your desk or maybe drive down to Fort Tabor and eat it by the water. So check them out. AllianzaRestaurant.com is, and you can also go to the restaurant itself, 98 Cove Street in New Bedford. Follow them on Facebook. That's what I recommend because you can get all of the information there, all the latest specials right on their Facebook page. Just look up Alianza Restaurant on Facebook and give them a like. All right, let's go back to the phones. Good morning. You are next on WBSM. Good morning, Mr. Weisberg. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing all right. Yeah, I caught. I came in just about maybe halfway, I think, through that last call. Mm -hmm. Now, I heard him say. I mean, I have something to say, but I don't know the whole story about what he was. Talking. Is he an owner, a house owner he, in that yes. area? Yes, he's a landlord in that area. Yes. Okay, near KFC. Uh, no, near um, CFC Crown Fried Chicken. So down a Cushion Avenue. Uh, he was talking about the area between Cogsall Street and Nash Road. Oh, okay, because I thought he was talking about KFC on the avenue, because there's a house right next door to the KFC. Have you seen that big house right there? You can walk out of KFC and walk right into that house next door. That's how close it is. I don't know if I've and noticed. Like no. a, it's like a, a, they rent rooms there. That's a rooming. It looks like a one big nice house, like one big family, but it's not. They rent rooms. And they have rented... The shady characters, I mean, drug people and all. I have a friend who lives across the street from it on the other side, right across from where the former uh, Registry of Motor Vehicles, right across from Kentucky Side. Mm -hmm. Remember that? that registry yep, used place? to be down there, yep. Yeah, well, she lives behind that house on the next street over. I forgot the name of the street. But when I used to go and visit her, and, and I don't know if they're renting those rooms that way today, but this has been maybe... Five, six years ago, they were renting to people. Like he called them zombies. And I was thinking maybe that's what he was talking about. But now you're saying it's a different place. Yeah, he's talking about down at the Crown Fried Chicken. So um, right around uh, like the, the Cafe Mimo area. Uh, yeah. Well, there are a lot of shady characters down there too. My sister lives on, on Clifford Street. There's shady characters everywhere. Not, not Clifford Street. Um, 
what's that next one? Right down the street from where Bay State used to be. It starts with a C. Not Clifford. It's uh, like a girl's name. It starts with a C. Colette? Oh, yeah. My sister lives on Colette. My mind is uh, getting away from me lately. She lives on Colette Street, and right around that area there, I mean, there used to be that, uh, there's a package store on the corner. I mean, if you go, uh, uh, really, uh, Mr. Weisberg, if you go down in that area and you walk around at certain times, you can get any drug you want right down in that area. It may not look like it, but you can, trust me. Well, I mean, do they have uh, codeine? That's about as strong as a well, drug I that I, t- as I take. Have, but I, the word drug is, is all I'm going to use. I, I don't know what they're selling, but you can go down there. You, I mean, sometimes I can't even drive by there and stop at a, a stop sign without smelling that awful, nasty skunk smell of that marijuana they're smoking. It stinks. No, that's not like- marijuana. They have a skunk problem in that neighborhood. No, 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 no. No, they're no, always no, out no. and spraying. It's it's totally but skunks. I know what the smell is because I'm living with it where I live. And they can't seem to control the problem here. I complain all the time. They're getting sick of hearing me. But that smell comes into my apartment, and I'm sick of it. Well, I'm going to hold so you. So I know what it smells like. I know. I'm going to hold you there just because I, I need to take a break, but I appreciate the call. All right. Thank you. You have a good weekend. Yeah, you too. Bye. And and, and definitely watch, watch out for those wild skunks all over the place. I'm, I'm just teasing. I got to take a break. We'll be right back. All right. That is going to do it for this hour. We are going to be going into the newsroom coming up in just a few moments. And then on the other side of that, we will talk with New Bedford City Council President Linda Morad and Ward 3 Councilor Sean Oliver. We're going to talk about a number of things that have been going on over the last couple of weeks, including the budget cuts that happened earlier this week. And then when we come back after that, you know, we'll have Adam give you the news at 830 and from 830 to 9, we can get more of your thoughts on what the counselors say, more on what that caller.